to. Hey guys, and welcome back to Things and Underrated. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Ellen. And we're starting today's episode with the very homophobic Chris Pratt staring at us from Ellis Wall. Okay, that does, that's unfair to take out of context. By the way, happy Pride, guys. <laughs> By the way, yeah, by the way, happy pride. And um, I got a cut out of Chris Pratt for my friend and now he's just stuck on my wall and it's a long story and I'm not going to get rid of him. Anyway, piggybacking off of that, <laughs> it's Pride Month. Woo! Um, I mean, I think we're going to go straight into um, the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie, it's been a long time since we've done this. We're finally allowed to like be in the same room. Yeah, and next is COVID tests. Exactly, just, it's been it's a while. good. And you know, the, now the vibes can be flowing and good. And we haven't had this for a while. It's weird like transferring from Zoom to real life to mm-hmm. Zoom to real life. And we haven't posted since like, what? ages because yeah it's been exams. really hard exams we now completely finished all of that so we've got the whole summer ahead of us to mm-hmm. throw more content at you the one year anniversary is coming up believe it or not <laughs> yes. so keep your eyes peeled for something then let's jump right into pride and rainbow capitalism do you want to explain what that is people don't know so rainbow capitalism is when corporations who don't necessarily advocate for gay rights or corporations that just aren't in- involved with that at all they'll slap a rainbow on a piece of merchandise mm-hmm. sell pride they'll monetize pride and queerness and sell it as their products and then make a profit off of it for a month and then wash all the way when we're done and sometimes the worst part about it is these corporations actively indulge anti-queerness or they'll donate to anti-queer charities or they'll endorse homophobic ideas and they won't donate any of their proceeds to charity Mm -hmm. so it's literally just an empty it's virtue signaling. I mean, we saw it when, like, Mickey went rainbow, right? When when Disney pulled out their queer merchandise and everyone was like, no, stop profiting off of queer people and actually do something to help because, you know, um, Disneyland has been notoriously um, very, you know, gender roles mm-hmm. and, like, very, just not very Disney movies to be Yeah, like. exactly. Not very inclusive or anything. And so when they slap a rainbow on a pair of Mickeys, it seems very empty. Mm-hmm. And then when they can monetize off of that, it just seems so like selfish. I think the absolute worst part of all of it is is that half of this pride merch is so disgustingly ugly. I know. At like, least make it pretty. I mean, uh, what was it? Was it Vans or Converse? I think it was Converse had some nice ones, but Vans were so freaking ugly. They were <laughs> so freaking. <laughs> ugly. They were so freaking ugly, and um, yeah, they were really disgusting. So, in the light of that, you should actually be going and supporting small queer businesses. We're going to make sure to list loads in our description of this um, podcast, say video, <laughs> and description of this podcast, and you make sure to go check them out specifically during this Pride Month. If you're going around saying I'm an ally, I'm an ally, yeah. this is put, you know put your money where your mouth is and go and support some of these businesses. The thing about allyship is it's it's actually quite an empty statement to say I am an ally. An yeah. ally is not a badge you can wear. Allyship is a lifelong thing that you work towards. And for lifers. For lifers. <laughs> and your work is never done. This is the thing. A lot of people think they can buy one piece of Pride merch, uh, get, buy a little gay flag, stick it in their pencil yeah, case basically. or their pencil pot and call it a day. Absolutely not. Especially if your allyship is full of empty gestures, you really need to consider what it is that you're actually advocating for. And the most effective way to help the causes that you say you're passionate about is by putting money where your mouth is, donating to charities and supporting small businesses. But if you're genuinely not in a position to do this, and I mean genuinely, not you'd rather spend your money online shopping than to charity. If you genuinely can't do this, then there's still ways to promote things online or to read up on, you know, the history that is so important for us to learn about. Actually, this is a point. Mm-hmm. A lot of queer history is completely omitted from the curriculum in the same way that curriculum is whitewashed, etc. 
The mm. curriculum omits a lot of important history, not just British, but worldwide. And the stuff that we are taught sometimes omits important details, even online. I think what we failed to recognise the other day is that our version of what we just assumed to be true of queer yeah. history, it, it's not actually completely correct. Like, we were talking about the Stonewall riots. We even put a thing on our story saying, which is, we still stand by, um, black people, queer people, not just white cis gay men and women mm-hmm. they're the forefront of pride people like Marsha p johnson um who and- supposedly threw the first brick at stonewall right that's the story we're told yeah but we we never actually learn what it is what actually happened there yeah and whilst it's super important to acknowledge the fact that a black trans woman was one of the forefronts of modern day pride and the reason we can celebrate it so openly today we've got to be careful that we don't overstep the line and start tokenizing her yeah. and saying, oh, look, here's one black trans woman. Now that's my intersectionality incorporated because it's really not. Essentially, at the time of the Stonewall riots, during the 1950s and 60s, people weren't allowed to be gay. If you're gay, you could not legally be served alcohol. You could, do- could not dance with other gay people. Gay establishments were shut down and individuals without ID or people that were dressed in drag were targeted by police, arrested, etc., etc. So two transgender women of colour, Marsh P. Johnson, like we know, and Sylvia Rivera were said to have resisted arrest and, you know, supposedly thrown the first bottle or brick or stone at Stonewall. Um, although Johnson later said in a 1987 podcast interview with historian Eric Marcus that she had not arrived until the uprising was well underway. So after the police had initially rioted and, you know, yeah. that was all underway. So, you know, we've created this image in our heads and it's very nice because it's a very easy selling point, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, Two Marsha, token heroes. Exactly. Marsh P. Johnson, um, Sylvia Rivera, they were the first ones to throw the stone. Like, it's a very dramatised um, kind of... You, you could see it in a movie scene, like, yeah. them, like, picking up the stone, throwing the first brick, whatever. But we haven't actually looked into it because it's much, much easier to sell this image and say, look at this, respect our um, transgender women and men of colour... Um, you know, saying how they are the f- forefront of pride, but we haven't even gone into detail as to how that happened, when that happened, because we don't learn about it in our curriculums, and it's completely pushed aside, and then we just pull it out of our pocket when it's Pride Month, and when we can say, look at this, look at them, and then we can forget about them all yeah. after June's happened. And just be crystal clear, we completely include ourselves in this statement. Yeah. Literally a couple of days ago, we reposted something on our Instagram story that was not completely correct, mm-hmm. and whilst it's important to pay homage to the people that suffered the most for Pride, which are people of colour, trans people, etc, etc, the underrepresented members of the LGBTQ plus community, you've got to make sure that, as I said earlier, you're not tokenising it. You don't just extract a couple of heroes, put them on a pedestal, and then call it a day. Yeah. Because if you want to stay intersectional, because that is what we're trying to do at its core, essentially, you yeah, like you said, you can't tokenise, you can't pick a few, you actually have to delve into it. And actually, there was a statistic that said half of BAME, so black, Asian, minority, ethnic group, um, LGBT people, so 51% face discrimination within the LGBT community. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, it's like when, so when we're talking about intersectionality and we say like, um, you know, opp- oppressed people can be oppressors, so white gay men oppress um, you know, women of colour, it's how your gayness and does not absolve you from your whiteness. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, white um, lesbians and white gay men are kind of the top of that pile and the aspect that they are racist in that way they uphold white supremacy and um all oh, the birds are going crazy again. <laughs> and that is not something you can absolve yourself of because you are gay and because you are oppressed for that reason and so when we're looking at um you know intersectionality within the lgbt community we have to make sure that we're you know focusing on our whiteness while yeah. also you know being proud of our gayness 
Just to add on to the point about racism within the community, I'd like to just share a study uh, by researchers that showed that when gay, Asian, Indian, Pacific Islander and black men were asked whether they would strongly prefer to date someone from their own ethnic group or race or skin colour or racial background, um, anywhere from 6% to 22% said yes, they would. Whereas compared to white gay men, 43% wow. said they would strongly prefer to date only white men. So that sh- like explicitly shows the implicit and explicit biases within the community mm-hmm. through dating, through preference, which in itself can be a mask for just racism racism exactly and i've just never understood when people are like oh i have a preference for race how do you how can you say that without like blatantly hearing that that's just racism can you hear yourself that's a generalization you're making a generalization based on an assumption and that assumption is going to be rooted in stereotypes and And racism racism. and then you're like no it's not racist i've once argued for like hours with this boy who was insistent he was like just because they wouldn't date a trans person doesn't make me transphobic just because they wouldn't date a black person doesn't make me racist what do you think it makes you then he does not Makes you a fucking idiot. Yeah, sorry. I mean, actually, let's talk about that because I know a lot of people, a lot of cis people have this is where they're saying, I don't want to date a trans person, but that doesn't make me transphobic. And yeah. I think there's an important conversation to be had here because while, you know, if someone doesn't have your preferred genitalia, if someone, you know, if you just don't like them, you're not attracted to them, like that yeah. is fine. That does That's not make valid. you transphobic. But it's not a scapegoat for your transphobia so in you, disguise. If the only like this you like them you, they have your preferred like genitals like you are attracted to them you like the sole reason you don't want to date them is because they're trans yeah that's transphobia like i don't understand i don't understand what other reason that would be than yeah. transphobia and this like i don't even understand how people are like oh me not wanting to date a race isn't racism like yeah. what yeah completely um as ellis said gentle preference is completely natural completely normal everyone is into different things but that can equally go the other way and become too harmful. If you attribute a person to their genitalia, that notion in itself is actually quite transphobic. Yeah, of course. And invalidating. I was having this conversation, well, it wasn't a conversation, it was more of a discussion, debate. Anyway, I was having this um, discussion within my English class. We just read this prose around about a um, black transgender woman and um, she was kind of explaining how, like, oh, like, this is... Basically, no one caught on. Basically, this guy was like, oh, what was your old name? And she was like, Frank. And then no one understood that she was transgender. Anyway. And um, and then she said at the end, like, oh, I have a boyfriend. And this kid in my class said, oh, so the boyfriend's gay then. And then everyone was like, no, she's a woman, so he's straight. And he was like, no, well, she has a... By the way, like, good on him. He was using the correct pronouns the whole time. Just extremely validating. He was just kind of saying, like, okay, but she has a penis, so it's gay. And I was like... Well, no, because, you know, she's a woman and we were kind of just talking through it. And it was really interesting to see, like, he was really trying the to The cogs were turning. The cogs were turning. It just wasn't clicking into place. And he was saying, okay, well, it's gay sex. And I was like, it's not gay sex because gay sex means two of the same gender. And, you know, or not two, whatever, just, you know, the same gender. And they're not the same gender, so therefore it's not gay. And he's like, okay, but it's two penises. And I was just kind of explaining the difference between gender, sex and genitalia mm-hmm. and how they don't all equal the same, like don't equal each other. And um, it's just interesting to see that some people really can't wrap their heads around it. And yeah. then he was like, oh, I'm born in the wrong generation. And then he fist pumped some guy. And I was like, are you are you fist pumping over transphobia right Jesus now? And he Christ. was like, no, 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 no. I just don't get it. And it's just, yeah. And I don't believe that he had lots of hatred in his heart when he No, said there was that. no malicious intent behind it. He's just it was extremely like... ignorant. And transphobia <laughs> is extremely normalised. Yeah, yeah. Extremely normalised. It was so like... Well, obviously, that was that was the attitude he had. Like, well, yeah. obviously, she's a man because she has a penis. But like, 
having a penis is not what makes a man. Yeah, absolutely. And we've discussed this in our gender episode when we've like really gone into the scientific <laughs> parts of it between intersex people and you know transgender people, gender non-conforming. So you can go listen to that if you really want to get into the, the biological side. Yeah. yeah, the nitty gritty. Um, but like, I guess it's just like keeping an open mind and tr- like really trying to understand. Obviously, within that spectrum of you know you know we're talking about gender, right? And we have non-binary and I think more recently I mean we're talking about what non-binary is right it means that you're not conforming to yeah male female those very strict um you know reassigned gender roles exactly they're very constricting is that that's the word yeah right and um so once but like more recently when you say you're non-binary it's kind of become like a third, third option. Yeah, like a third option. And, and like that's completely just destroys the point of it because you don't want to be stuck inside like a limit. Like you don't yeah. want to limit your gender expression because obviously it's not something to do with biology. We know that. And it's not something to do with, um, you know, like it's it just it's supposed to be freeing and liberating in your own self-expression. And so when people kind of try and put that into another box to try and make it. Yeah. So you're conforming. It just feels very yeah limiting and it's so i think you know that's kind of another problem within um you know quote unquote normalizing um you know gender expressions that we've kind of created another binary yeah (laughs) non-binary and it's not a third option it just means that you're not part of um a binary basically and that can come in all shapes sizes and whether you're feminine masculine you know, it's still non-binary. You could present as entirely societally feminine, so the way that society would perceive a woman to yeah. be, but completely not feel further detached from your womanhood. You can, you could be, you know, non-binary. You could be, you could identify as a man, and the way you present yourself has absolutely no correlation to your gender expression. And there's quite a lot of invalidation, casual and extreme, mm-hmm. surrounding these topics. It's like, well, how can they be a they them if they have long hair? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, also, like, how can I use they, them pronouns? That means plural. I know we've been through this, but like, come, come on. on, come on. Like, <laughs> if if okay, so if you found a wallet at the at the bus stop and um, you go, oh look, a person's dropped their wallet, you'd say there <laughs> automatically because you don't know who they are. It's not moles or weebles wallets. You're not assigning the gender of this person because you don't know who they are. Yeah. And especially if they've come up to you with the courage and the integrity and honesty to express to you that that's, you know, their identity. If you're going out of your way to undermine that, like, <laughs> what kind of person are you? Also, the singular use of they then has been around since the 16th century. Yeah. Not that, you know, needed to be said, but it's just yeah. fun little tidbit, I guess. Around pronouns and being non-binary, I think it's also worth expressing that because non-binary has become so binary and they then pronouns have become so binary, a lot of people to escape the shackles of traditional gender roles, they revert to neo-pronouns. And neo-pronouns are, they're pronouns that are not he, she, they, for example, they're like they, they, they. To be honest, anything can be a neo-pronoun. And this is a point of so much ridicule within the LGBTQ plus community. And this is an example of niche discourse that becomes so counterproductive, so invalidating, and so so primitive. And also very ableist a lot of the time. Because neo-pronouns are used a lot by neurodivergent people because, you know, their brains aren't... Um, you know, wired to work with these gender conforming, you know, things that we've created because yeah. obviously we've created it, it's made up and so like they obviously don't want to stick to that which is, you know, that's how their brain works, that's normal so they go to neo-pronouns to try and escape that, like you said, 
And um, when you ridicule that, it just seems very diminishing and, well, ableist. Not only is it ableist, also it can be very, very culturally insensitive because a lot of people that feel detachments from their culture or feel it's very separated from Western culture, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to understand that other societies and cultures have very different meanings of gender, gender roles. And a lot of people feel they don't fit into these Westernized ideas of male and female. So they they might use the pronouns it and itself or... You know, just because they feel that that detaches them from an ideology that they don't align with. And I don't, like, even if you don't, like, who cares if you don't agree with it? Like, it literally does you no harm just to, like, you know, humour them even. Yeah. And, but this, this also bothers me because a lot of people act like they're being some sort of saviour. Yes, martyr. Yeah, they're like, even if I don't agree with it, I'll still call you that. I'll respect you, okay? I literally don't care. That's like... literally the bare minimum anyway. <laughs> also, people who are like, grow up. No one's calling you kitten self off of the internet. I respect your pronouns, but you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, basically. I respect you, but, you know, die. Like, okay, whoa, let's... Whoa. <laughs> Do you really not have bigger fish to fry than a 14-year-old on TikTok who wants to call themselves kitten self? Why does that so personally offend you? And... Why are you attributing that to something sexual? Because a lot of people say, oh, kitten self is so suggestive. It makes really? me uncomfortable. Why does that make you uncomfortable? Yeah, that's really your fault. That's, that is that's, a huge problem. That's a problem you need to be addressing like yourself there. And second of all, I've seen a lot of straight people yeah. butting in and saying, oh, but this is harmful to the a trans community. No one has said that. Literally no one from the trans no community trans said, like, said that. that neoprons are harmful to the trans community. Only straight people have butted, cis people, sorry, have butted in and said like, this is this isn't fair. This is no like get, just find like something else to do. You know, I mean, it's, so, it's such a minuscule percentage of yeah. problems. Like there is, like you said, bigger fish to fry. There are so many bigger problems, and this is my problem with like small, like niche and nuanced spaces like TikTok. We get yeah. into these really like mini, tiny, nuanced um, discourses that yeah. really hold no. Um, prevalence in real life situations and then you get into the real world and you're like oh fuck like no one cares about this no No one one is discussing we're actually it turns out lgbtq people actually want liberation are trying not to be hate crime every day they actually don't care if someone wants to call themselves kitten self Mm. put it into perspective put it into perspective exactly i mean even if you go into the real world anyone who's like even been to pride no one cares like like the the thing is pride started as a movement for liberation right and we've moved away from that and we're moving into celebration and and i think too often now we're just we we've we've gone away from liberating and more into trying to integrate and trying to make ourselves palatable yeah and trying to make pride you know we don't we want to remove ourselves from cis heteronormative society we're not trying to be accepted we're just trying to be out of danger's way yeah queerness is allowed to be extreme queerness is allowed to be beautiful queerness is allowed to be in your face and a lot of people are trying to make pride like diminished and palatable quiet um i think i see this a lot in talking of online discourse now this is something that is actually we me and alec have spoken about recently um the the discourse about kink at pride yeah so a lot of people are hopping on social media and saying um kink has no place at pride it's exposing people to basically just things they shouldn't be seeing Mm -hmm. it's gross and kind of just expressing a lot of disgust at queer sexuality to be honest like i think obviously there is a time and place for everything like no one is saying put on sex shows in the middle of a parade no one is saying that but you know a lot of these you know alternative and you know just like kink culture it's it comes from you know lgbtq culture and it, it it roots from that and so to try and say to try and like control what consenting adults are doing with their yeah. bodies 
it's just weird. Yeah, and especially when you only limit that to gay people, that doesn't yeah. feel right. And I'll be straight up and say that the other day I said something a little dismissive when I was on FaceTime with Ellen yeah. <laughs> about um, just, I think I was going more down the route of public acts of sex, but that's not even what happens. Like, no. that isn't even what happens. I'm just parroting some TikTok discourse that has wrapped up, become wrapped up in, and it's just like, Again, put it into perspective. Go into the real world. Go into the real world. No one, like, just the things that people are making stuff up in their heads now. Yeah. They're like, they're creating arguments in their head. They're saying, there shouldn't be kinky sex acts at Pride. No one does that. Like, no no one, literally, like, go to Pride. No one does that. You're creating an argument within your head. And even if it is such a small percentage. And, like, people are saying, you shouldn't be exposing kids to that. When you, it's it's about it's about expressing and liberating your sexuality. What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah. Like, of course, like, it's about sexuality and you expect nothing to be about sex at Pride. Like, yeah. just come on, get real. You need to think about the taboo around gay sex, especially with the AIDS crisis of the 80s. Yeah. How hard it is to talk about gay sex in an empowering way, in a safe way. So any progress you can make to normalise safe, consensual, mm-hmm. free gay sex is positive. It gives me very Catholic church vibes. Mm. Oh, we support gay people. We just want them to stay celibate. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, we support what you're doing. Just like, don't do, like, don't do the actual, the doing it part. Do you know what I mean? And like, the thing is when being gay is very more accepted, but like, when when I see boys talking about it at school, like gay sex is like a whole nother thing. And obviously like with AIDS, like you said, it's a very um, big issue then. It feels like, gay people never really had older people to look up to because obviously we lost we, like so many of them Hundreds were lost thousands to died. the AIDS crisis yeah. because the government didn't do anything about it no and even within the queer communities because they were so targeted they thought this is just fear-mongering to make people hate us yeah um a lot of people just assumed that it was the government trying to frame them as dirty and impure and their sexuality is like taboo. It, yeah, like it was like it was a punishment from God for being gay. Yeah. And there wasn't even research properly done into it until so many people had died. Yeah. People didn't even know what was happening because there were obviously different ways that HIV was expressed and AIDS was expressed through different illnesses. It was hard to track down and it was hard to map. And by that point, it was too late. I really urge people to go and learn more about the AIDS crisis. It's actually yeah. really, really upsetting. There are really good shows about it, though. Yeah. There are ones that, like, are dramatised. Yeah. Like, I watched well, a so very dramatised one uh, a few months ago. It was called It's a Sin. It's on BBC iPlayer. Oh, really it was like good. a five-part series. That's Each really episode was an hour long. Absolutely had me sobbing. Made the mistake of watching it on my period, and I just sat there for hours <laughs> and then just sobbing my eyes out. Yeah. But it portrays it, albeit a little dramatised, in its harshness and its sadness. And it doesn't... Yeah disguise how heartbreaking and ripping a part of the communities that it was amongst all of this though there is the overriding theme of disgust at gay sex and i think that's normalized even in everyday speech like i hear people around me sort of the idea of gay sex as a joke to them i had someone turn around to me and say here's a good ick for getting over a guy imagine them bumming another guy imagine they're bi and they're bumming another guy that was what that was what they said and it's just like Okay, so what you're saying to me is the idea of bisexuality and expressing gay sex is disgusting to you. Yeah, it's so ick. disgusting. Yeah. It's it makes you go ick. It makes you feel grossed out. Yeah, I think biphobia is getting less and less these days. Mm-hmm. From I don't know from what I've seen anyway, but like it is very like prevalent. Like, yeah, I don't know. Even like... the whole just half joke, half not joke. Pick yeah, a side. Like, pick, pick a, a side. side. Like oh, you can't choose. Like you can't make up your mind. It's just like. 
it's not like it's so fluid like I don't think yeah. people really understand how fluid sexuality is 100% and so and like so when people even when they start off in there like labeling themselves as bi and then they say oh no I'm actually gay or like no I'm actually straight like it's it's like oh I told you it was a phase and it kind of gives a bad name to it but like yeah. actually no like it is actually so fluid and I hope one day we can actually get rid of the need for like having to quote unquote come out and having to actually yeah. label yourself and I think like very dangerous part of that is micro labeling and having to go into like yeah. very like specific labels and then having the need to, I, like, I don't really see how that's yeah. Um, anything but not productive in a world where we are so bound by labels yeah. i completely appreciate that it's comforting to have a specific word that feels completely encompassing yeah. of the way that you feel however it is worth noting that on the whole all labels are sort of unproductive restrictive and whilst it's a good way to indicate you know the basis of what you're looking for in a partner yeah that it's fluid and it's never going to be fixed it's never going to be fixed you might you know one day wake up in your mid-30s, mid-40s, and suddenly <laughs> you're in love with someone that you never thought you'd be, and that's okay. Yeah. I think whilst we talk about coming out and how it's silly and or how it's a good thing, how it's empowering, there's many different sides to that coin, but you have to really overall just recognise that coming out is such a privilege. The habit, being able to talk to your friends and family and say, this is who I am, as basic as that is, that is such a privilege culturally within you know different households like generationally people react to queerness in very different ways to the extent that so many people's lives are in danger their houses their safety are in danger and they cannot afford to just come out in fact lgbtq um young people are way more likely to find themselves homeless than their non-lgbtq peers um and they comprise up to 24 percent of the young homeless population and lgbtq homeless youth are very highly likely to have experienced family rejection, abuse and violence, um, with 70% of homeless people experiencing that. Queerness is dangerous. Living as a queer person is dangerous. The life expectancy of a black trans woman in America is about 30. Yeah, 30 something ridiculous. Age. And the thing is, it will, it would never... And the thing is, even after death, they're still not respected. Like, I've no. seen so many, like, police reports and they're being misgendered, like, after death. Yeah, death and, like, after death. And the thing is, like, it's, it's in the most brutal and disgusting ways. Like, a black trans woman have been lynched and just yeah. no justice have been done whatsoever. Police will say, oh, it was a suicide. When, it, like, there's bruises all over their body. They've been raped like there's evidence and they've just written it off as a suicide yeah. there are people that have been beaten to death and yet police will just you know move on and obviously i'm going to put all of this in the description of this podcast so you don't say anything you're making stuff up but like this is the reality of it and it's always in the most brutal and violent ways because that is how people react to queerness i mean moving on to kind of i don't know charlotte do you want to attempt this word because we've been having some struggles with this i can never say this word we're talking about the fetish fetishization there you go that's pretty good well done after seven practices (laughs) no it wasn't the second time we're late uh, up on facetime last night fetishizer fetishizing yep so fetishizing fuck (laughs) i've done it to you now fetishizing just gay people in general but specifically um women that like other women um i think because you know misogyny is so rampant in our society anyway mm-hmm. and women are objectified so heavily through the porn industry or just on an everyday basis when you put that into the context of a woman being intimate with another woman you know some guys that's their biggest sexual fantasy mm-hmm. and there are so so many cases where like i saw these two women on the train um they were lesbians and they were beat up because they refused to make out in front of these guys yeah, and it's just as well as well when you are already viewed as a commodity, when you have another, you know, level of oppression added to your 
you know, your umbrella of you as a person. It is so harmful to have a sense of identity and it's hard to even be viewed as a person. I mean, already as women, right? Like, people, yeah. they, they don't view us as people, they view us as objects and sexual objects. Okay, also, okay, I don't, I don't know if I want to put this on here because I don't know how factually correct it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put this out here. Anyone can fact check me, let me know. But um, I'm, I'm really I'm putting the parody on this. Hey guys, this is Charlotte Edsing. I just wanted to say very quickly, I did fact check this so you don't have to. And whilst I couldn't find a study that likened women to lamps, I could find several studies, one of which was a Nat Geo study that says um, the region of the brain associated with tool use lit up in men when they were showed pictures of scantily clad women and the lack of activation in the social cognition area was really odd because that hardly ever happens so i mean you can conclude for yourself how dehumanizing that is and i just wanted to say that what elif is saying is completely true um but basically there was this girl saying she was like a psych major and she was kind of talking about how um our brains differentiate living things from non-living things yeah. and they were kind of saying about how there is a part of our brain that lights up when we know something is alive and has emotions and is basically like one of us like a human yeah. and they were saying oh they did an experiment and they got men to look at lamps and you know the part of their brain that said this is an object lit up and then they got them to walk down the street and they mapped their eyesight and when they saw women who were more provocatively dressed than women who were not Mm-hmm. their brains switched to this is an object to be honest, it this is a lamp <laughs> they said women's tits are out this is a lamp a lamppost a lamppost and um it was just really interesting because like, obviously we say this a lot like they objectify us we are objects but like quite literally we are objects in their minds and yeah. then so on top of that um you know they're fetishizing oh there's two women they're together they're intimate i'm not even involved in that yeah just another layer of that it just seems like impossible yeah I mean, why else do you think they click on the videos? Why else do you think women with their tits out are on the front of, you know, movie magazines? It's because sex sells and specifically femininity sells. And when you combine the two and add another cultural taboo around it in the in the form of queerness, there you go. You've got a you've got a best selling product, and it is dangerous and it's so dangerous and it's normalised as well. Like at at school, you know, even women play into this themselves. They make out with their friends for attention from guys. They're like, mm-hmm. oh my god, look. And all they're doing is just completely contributing to this really harmful stereotype or culture. And it really pisses me off as well when they're like, oh, like, oh my god, let's make out of parties in front of guys for attention. When, like, you have the privilege to do that for attention. And then women, like, gay women can't do that on their way yeah. home from on a train. Without dying. Basically, yeah. Yeah. You pick and choose which parts of Quinnis are... Um, are, are profitable for yeah. you and then you get to leave behind all the messy and painful bits mm-hmm. this is why queer baiting is such a problem in popular media or culture or just anything you see particularly online now because that's where most of this media is expressed do you think billy eilish is queer baiting because i saw this thing mm. basically and i don't i don't really know because i love billy eilish okay but yeah. i can still admit that like this yeah. is queer baiting at this point because like there have been so many bits where she's like um you know kind of hinted at it but then not really said anything and like obviously it's everyone's choice to come out when they want to come out but like obviously her newest video she's having a sleepover with all these girls she's like kissing them yeah and the title of her song is is lost cause and basically she's saying how men are a lost cause and then she's having a sleepover with her girlfriends kissing them yeah there's a there's a at one point there's a dartboard in the background actually sorry darts at it and in the background of the music video you can see that attached to the dartboard is the word men so like at that point, you're hinting that you don't find men to be up to your scratch, up to your standards, up to your scratch, up to scratch, up to scratch, up to your standards. So you're kissing these girls instead. And when you're as influential as Billie Eilish is, 
it's sort of like I don't using... know. Like, is it queer baiting at that point? I'm not sure because if she's queer, obviously, then it's, yeah, it's, it's an queer. expression of her own sexuality. But when it's so ambiguous, and when you're using the public ambiguity to your advantage to sell more, mm-hmm. that feels a bit iffy to me. So queer baiting is a marketing technique for fiction and entertainment in which creators hint at, but then do not actually depict same-sex romance or LGBTQ representation. Well, she is hinting at it, and she's not explicitly depicting it. So I guess. That's, it's important yeah. to be critical of media and don't get it twisted we're not engaging in some stupid discourse and yeah. saying that Billie Eilish cancel is, Billie Eilish yeah no one saying that and we know there's bigger problems in in queer liberation but this is the way that pop culture normalizes very you know small things and like fetishization yeah fetish. <laughs> if we could say it that'd be great but you know I'm going to circle back to intersectionality and racism in, in the LGBTQ community because I know a lot of quote-unquote gay culture is literally just stolen from black culture. And, yeah. you know, we see personas of white gay men, like, you know, they, they it's, you know you know what I mean. Like, it's very camp. It's very... Yeah. It's, it's literally just stolen from black women. Like, they are yeah. the blueprint and yeah. they've just stolen it. And, like, AAV, for example. Oh, yeah. African-American vernacular English. So African-American vernacular English is its own dialect. It has its own grammatical structures, slang, set phrases, and it derives from times when the black community were forced to operate together under the extreme oppression of slavery and colonialism. And remnants of this still operate today within the black community. I'm sure there's lots of phrases that you've seen online that people have just marketed as internet slang, Twitter slang, Mm. TikTok talk, which is actually just the appropriation of a black language. And a lot of queer people adopt this, particularly white cis gay men Mm -hmm. they adopt this and it becomes as a kind of persona exactly the problem is it's treated as some sort of caricature some sort of like alien personality and it just adds to like the the idea that black people are some sort of other other or something for your amusement and like no one is saying you can't use like a couple of words no one is going to cancel you for saying lit no one is going to cancel you for saying slay or bay but when you adopt the entire dialect and you're white down to the grammatical structures it's just oh don't don't do that it's so it's so (laughs) icky and then you call someone out on it and they're gay and they'll be like oh are you trying to talk to me about about privilege or oppression and you're just like yeah yeah yeah, actually yeah yeah (laughs) Your whiteness is the heaviest thing about you and you really, really need to remember that when you're talking about other forms of oppression because it can get in some really icky territory. So last, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year when we were kind of doing the very initial men's mental health episode, which is now not on our... Yeah, we took it down. Yeah, we took it down because we've made a better one with actual interviews where people were way more open. I think, I think like the more comfortable people got within our page, within our kind of whatever like they were way more open and we're eternally grateful for that so we redid that episode and i'm glad we did but when we were initially doing it um one of my guy friends said to me like oh elif like my friend is gay like and we all know but like how do we get him to come out and like how do we create an environment where we can come out i think that's an important conversation to be had here because like i could see that he really did want him to you know feel comfortable in a way that wasn't like you know, he wanted to let his friend know that, like, look, we don't care that you're gay. Like, but obviously, like, without saying... That still operates on an assumption, doesn't Yeah, it? exactly. But, like, without saying, like, come out, come out, you know, we know you're gay. Come yeah, out, come, come out, out. Well, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he kind of said, like, you know, Aleph, like, it'd be great if you could help me out. And, you know, how do you create that environment for people to, quote unquote, come out? I think, you know, an important um, thing to do is just kind of when you're taught like bring it up in conversations and show that you don't care don't make a whole big deal around it don't make a yeah. whole big like oh my god yeah like i'm, I'm so supportive hashtag ally, hashtag ally. <laughs> do 
just kind of um, accept it, move on with your day. If anything surrounding queerness comes up in conversation, echo the fact that it is completely normal. Don't make a big deal. Don't make it seem as if you are slightly off-put by it. Because mm. even if you're not blatantly being homophobic, if you act a little bit, you know, a Ew, bit uneasy like, or a bit like... Mm. That's so sus. Yes. Oh my gosh. Lad culture normalises so much homophobia. Yep. Gay is an insult is the classic one, but that's so sus. This is a bit fruity. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just as if fruity is derogatory. Yeah. Sus. Someone suspecting that you're gay, that's a derogatory thing. That should be used against you. And also suspicious, like as if you should be hiding yeah, about suspicious. it. Yeah, suspicious. Like, oh, you look... You look sus. You look dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, the main point is if you want to create a nice environment for your friends to quote-unquote come out into... Yeah. Um, number one, don't force them to. Don't force them to, number one. Um, second of all, don't out them to your friends. <laughs> yeah, don't make assumptions based on stereotypes. Oh, I thought... Because this guy always had really good intentions, but he was just like... This person is gay. And I was like, whoa, first of all, don't tell me that. Yeah, you just outed them to me. <laughs> um, that's great that you felt you could, but don't do that. Yeah. First of all, don't out them to anyone. Um, second of all, don't make homophobic jokes. As much as you like to think it's lighthearted when, you know, when you are questioning, if like, especially with guys, like it's, I feel like it's way more taboo yeah. and like yeah, way more unspoken and just kind of like, Ugh, do you know what I mean? And so, you know, even though you think lighthearted jokes are just lighthearted and mean nothing, when someone is like questioning and they are trying like to find out if they're gay or not, when you're hearing that, that constantly is, especially from your friends, it kind of feels like you don't want to come out because yeah. why would you? Because it's 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 a laughing stock. It's something to be made yeah. fun of. This leads on really nicely to, the, to something I was just thinking about, and it's how dangerous outing is. Even if mm-hmm. you think you're doing the right thing by telling your mum that the person is gay before they come over for a sleepover number one like can you not see what you're connoting there yeah but you cannot mention anyone's queerness unless they've ex- like explicitly, explicitly said it's okay they're explicitly out they are but you cannot make assumptions like especially within a school environment a lot of people don't come out to their leave school leave their hometown for safety reasons at mm-hmm. home or within their you know religious school environment it's not safe for a lot of people or they're just not comfortable and by outing somebody whether you mean it with the most malicious intent in the world or just, you know, well, it's all right. It's just, you're just gay. Like, it's not a big deal. Not to you, anyway. Yeah. But you cannot afford to make that assumption. The stakes are so high. I know people who have been outed at my school and it's one of the hardest things they've ever experienced. Yeah. Especially if there are things like, you know, cultural differences within their home life that makes communication there hard anyway. But within a school environment, when the last culture... It is so Like, ruthless. it's already ruthless. And then to put on top of that being transgender or put on top of that being gay or, like, yeah, just 100%. anything. When people view it as so strange or so, like, it's the other. It's something you don't encounter very often. Alien. I feel for the kids who were the first in our year group to come out. Yeah. The first person to come out or be outed, you know. Wow. You're opening that door, and a, a lot of people are following, you know, in that pathway. It's becoming more and more normalised every time. But wow, imagine having to be the first one to yeah. break that barrier. It's very difficult. Mm. Basically, someone was saying, like, oh, their teacher on Zoom had, like, forced them to put all their pronouns in their little description, like, of their name. Yeah. And they were saying, like, you're not allowed into this classroom until you put your pronouns in your bio. And it's like, that is completely the opposite effect of what we want because people put pronouns in their bios to not out transgender people, yeah. to make non binary and transgender people feel more comfortable to like 
put their pronouns there so they're not like outing themselves in like yeah. inherently by putting them there but when you're forcing everyone to put them there you're completely just like missing the yeah. point the point is that you don't have to out anyone and when you're forcing people to put your pronouns there that's exactly what you're doing exactly wrong just wrong approach completely so just don't do that. You know, TikTok allies who are like, oh, bae, why aren't you pronouns in your bio, XX? That, number one, that's really passive aggressive. And number two, a lot of people attack trans people for not putting their pronouns in their bio. If you were truly a trans ally, you would understand how harmful it is sometimes. Yeah. If a family member found that, and they, they might be completely fucked, for all you know. God, it's just, you know, g- good intentions, wrong execution. Yeah, and this is it. the thing. Um, in a school environment, I think, like, we've experienced it ourselves. Like, there is a lot of homophobia and transphobia just from our teachers because, you know, obviously it's a generational thing. It's becoming more normalised, yeah. like, down the line. And I think um, they really are... I think there should be, like, a rule. There should be a rule, like, you have to not be a bigot to be teaching children. Yeah, because it's, you are shaping the way that they think and they view things, especially mm-hmm. when they're younger. But even as in even in a secondary school environment, if these kids are already toying with slightly, you know, edgy ideas, and then you've got a teacher, someone in a position of authority, who's not only encouraging it, but laughing at it, laughing along with you, that is... And if you're a kid in the classroom who's hearing this, like, ridicule, and you identify with whatever they're ridiculing, you're just like... Whoa the hell like why it's supposed to be a safe space yeah it's supposed to be a safe environment for you and that's just completely destroyed now so i think there should be some like limitations there like you're not allowed to be a teacher yeah. if you're transphobic homophobic or racist because like why? why yeah why because i know there are kids at our school who've had to actually set up their own society and have had to go into staff meetings and educate the staff on you know queerness and gender identity and things and on the one hand completely good on them for taking it onto their own shoulders but they shouldn't have they to. shouldn't have to the fact that a lot of you know the forward thinking and the queer activism comes from the students is to be expected but equally i don't get how you can brandish that like a flag mm. if you're an establishment or a school and your only claim to inclusivity is a society that your students are running you're not doing anything no, really. that is embarrassing you're just not shutting them down yeah, that's the one. That, that's you're just letting them be there. Yeah. Oh, good on us for letting it happen. Yeah, Great. good on us for not telling these queer kids that they're not allowed to be honest and yeah. speak and help each other. Having said that, societies <laughs> within your school are a really good way to help yourself feel more, you know, normalised or grounded in your sexuality or heard. If you, you know, you feel very isolated in your sexuality yeah. or your gender understanding, if there are people in your school available to you or a society or an organisation that you know you can talk about that with that's a really good place to start i think mm-hmm. yeah don't be afraid to go there it's just it's like it's a good place to just find yeah. a community and it's quite informal which is good now that we've promoted our schools lgbtq plus <laughs> society um i think we should round off this pride episode by kind of talking about what we can be doing as allies for the lgbtq community i was gonna say society <laughs> As we said at the beginning, the key thing you can be doing is donating to charity and buying from queer businesses. We'll put some in the description so you can know where to start. But, you know, just look out for it. And make sure your activism lasts all year round. That is kind of the goal here. You want to be (laughs) anti-homophobia all year round, not seasonal. And, you know, when we're looking to who to support in the queer community, we really want to look to... Um, the most pe- marginalised. The most marginalised. That's people of colour, trans women of colour, trans men of colour, people who, you know, really are the bottom of the 
um, you know, oppression barrel in in that kind of yeah. regard, and make sure you're helping them monetarily, like support, just listen and yeah. learning, and it really helps just to become more aware and more open minded. So yeah. make sure you're doing that. Education goes a long way as well. Researching and reading from queer authors and journalists is a brilliant way to go. We're going to make sure we link all of those things in the description of this podcast. You can find all of our sources, any articles. We're going to link loads of charities. They'll also be in the bio of our Instagram, Opinions are Underrated. And there will be some polls up there if you want to get involved in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you whenever we get around to it. Honestly, the fortnightly <laughs> schedule's been ditched, let's be honest. To be honest, I think we're going to be way more on task now that we actually have no more exams. Mm-hmm. We've got a free... I'm really excited. I'm so excited. If you guys have any ideas for topics that we can talk about. I mean, we have loads. We have so many in the, in the... What's it called? In the bank? In the bag. In the bank. In the bank. <laughs> I work at the <laughs> bank. <laughs> Here is the dollar. Let's stop this okay. now. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening.